Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Boost and Gains podcast. I'm your host Cedric and in today's episode I have an incredible chat with a good friend of mine who's making quite an impact in our community with his newfound passion in real estate. In this episode we'll get to know my guest a little more by discussing his background from his upbringing, his career, real estate and so much more. All right, my brother, man, it's good to have you on the show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be here. All right, man. I think we're going to learn a lot um, about you today Mm -hmm. and also learn a lot about what you got going on. So first of all, let's start off with pretty much um, your background. Just tell us a little bit. I like to ask uh, um, anybody that comes on the show, ask them a little bit about their background. And most importantly, how would you even describe yourself? Who is Cujo? Who is Cujo? Yep. Okay. Um, so my name is um, <clears throat> Cujo. Um, my, my my Ghanaians would say my English name is Lesesta. <laughs> so Lesesta Cujo is Seminole. Um, born and raised in Ghana. Um, I I born and raised in Ghana. Um, moved to the States when I was 12. Um, I've lived in a couple of different places. We started off in Connecticut, then we went to Georgia, um, then we went to New Jersey. Then from New Jersey, I went to Massachusetts, um, and then North Carolina for a while, and then I'm finally back into a, I'm back to Georgia or Atlanta, um, which I call my home. Um, living in all these different places has given me a little bit of perspective, and I take a little piece of each place that I've been to. Um, and use it on, on, on this journey called life. Um, I'm a practicing pharmacist. Um, I've been doing that for five years now. Wow. It seems like it was just yesterday, mm. but we're five years. I think this year, um, May will mark my five-year mark as f- from graduating pharmacy school. Mm. Um, I've been, I worked with Walmart when I got out of pharmacy school, worked with them for a while, and then I transitioned over to Anthem. Um, as a full-time pharmacist, still work part-time with um, with Walmart. But uh, for the past two years, my new passion has been real estate. Um, how I got into that is a pretty interesting um, conversation, and I'm sure we'll dig deeper into okay. it. But that's something that I'm, I'm focused on really heavy nowadays. Okay, sounds good. So uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Where I mean, did you grow up partially in Ghana, or was it all here in America? Okay, so yeah, like I mentioned earlier, I was born in Ghana. Um, I left when I was twelve. So mm-hmm. for the first, I my you know with my journey sounds pretty similar to all um, um, Africans mm-hmm. and even people in the diaspora. My dad um, left um, a month before I was born. He was looking for that green pasture, that mm-hmm. opportunity. Um, so. I was born in 89, um, and like I said, my dad left before um, I was born, um, lived with my mom until I I was about four years, and then she came to the States. Mm -hmm. Um, So for a majority of my upbringing, I was with, um, I lived with my aunt, Mm -hmm. which greatest thing that happened to me, she Mm -hmm. taught me a lot of discipline, Mm -hmm. Um, and then I lived with um, an uncle as, as well. Um, for a long period of time, again, he showed discipline. He showed how um, how a man loves a woman, mm-hmm. how you um, how you create a successful marriage. Mm-hmm. And then when I returned to the when I came to the states when I was twelve, I lived with my parents, and 
um, very, um, very devoted to God. Mm. Um, and they still also show how to live, a, how to be a decent person, mm-hmm. you know. So I count myself lucky because mm-hmm. all throughout my life, I've lived with different people, had different experiences mm-hmm. that shape who I am today mm-hmm. and have touched different aspects of my life that make me a better person, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. So fast track or fast forward to your end of high school, right? Mm-hmm. Going into college. You know, you did mention that you were a pharmacist. What made you choose that career path? The money. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you and say oh, I had this all these high minded yeah. ambitions. Yeah. I mean that's what I put on my on my my application. Uh-huh. But nah, it's, I I looked at it, I I first looked at becoming a physician. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was like, man, it's going to take a long time in school. I mm-hmm. know I don't want to do that. How long is that program? Oh, man, to be an MD, uh, you got to do four years of undergrad, then four years of medical school. Then you got to do, I think, two years of residency. Mm-hmm. Then you got to do specializing, which could take from two to five years. So mm-hmm. you're looking at like 10 or 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I knew that wasn't what I wanted Wouldn't to do. do. So. Um, I was looking and I was like, okay, what's the next best thing? I looked into pharmacy. There mm-hmm. was actually one um, one elder mm-hmm. at our church in um, Connecticut who was a pharmacist. And I, I looked up to him and I, I, I was just like, okay, well, I, I, that's maybe something that I could do is yeah. in the medical right. field, you know. So, so I, I mean, did that. you have any other, like, interest or you, was there something that you know, you're good at that you think, okay, I mean, maybe I could do that rather than pharmacy? Or did you just have... Uh, you, like you said, it's the money, right? Yeah. But were you even interest, slightly interested in being in the medical? Yeah. Field? Okay. So let me be a little fair, a little fairer than that. But um, so I I liked science growing up. Okay. One of my passions was science. My true passion is actually history. But mm-hmm. I liked science. I was good at science. Mm-hmm. I, I was good at history too. But I was like, well, there's no money. There's no money in history. <laughs> okay. I can't think of money yeah. in history. So I was like, okay, what's the next best thing? Mm-hmm. I like science. I like chemistry. I like developing things. Mm-hmm. So. Um, let's go into what what can I do with chemistry mm-hmm. or science related? And I was like, okay, well, um, I don't like being in a lab all day, so that won't work. Um, okay, what about pharmacy? Okay, well, you still make a six-figure income and um, you interact with people. So, you know what? Maybe let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> so, you started pharmacy school. You know, you went through pharmacy school and, of course, now you're, you're a pharmacist. Now, for you, what about the loans i hear a lot of pharmacists talk about loans and um you know even though they're making good money they they they, they say we still got all these loans to pay like was this something that you were thinking about while applying for school or did you pay it off like how how is that <laughs> that's a great question so I, I make this joke that I'm I'm a walking mortgage, right? Because <laughs> if I my student loans is outrageous, mm-hmm. you know. But at the time, that's that's one of the things that I would like to change as far as the mindset of the young people going um, going into school mm-hmm. now is when I was. Um, when I was looking to go into pharmacy school, all I thought about was the money that I'll be making. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about. I didn't put into perspective as far as the loans that I would be taking in order to get it, the degree that I want. Mm. Let me explain that better. Like, I didn't do the bene- cost-benefit analysis, mm. right? So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna get into that six-figure debt, but I'm going to be making six figures uh, so 
I, I should be fine, quickly right? Or something, yeah. But what I failed to take into consideration is, well, you still gotta live, mm-hmm. right? You think six figures is a lot to you're making six figures and you realize, okay, eh, maybe it's, it's a lot, but it's your margins are still pretty thin, right? Mm-hmm. Because the more you make, the more taxes you have to pay, the more it's a lot of things that go into it. So you're not gonna be able to dump all six figures into paying off your student, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So. That's something that I want a lot of young people to keep in perspective is that the return on your investment, right? Mm-hmm. So whenever you're making a decision, you got to be able to figure out the decision that I'm making, how much more is that going to return me in the future, mm. right? Um, don't get me wrong. I, I'm i still glad that I went to pharmacy school because for in some ways, if I didn't, I probably wouldn't have been open to some of the ideas that I have yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if I if I was to go back, I probably would have made some decisions mm. a little a, a little differently okay. than what I did. Yeah, that definitely brings me on to my next question: is if someone is looking into going to pharmacy school now, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. From what you know about pharmacy, mm-hmm. you know the loans, or even just like your work schedule and just the pharmacy industry and then let's say this person is very passionate this is not somebody who's saying oh i, I also want to make six figures they're mm-hmm. passionate mm-hmm. what would you what advice would you would you give to first this so there's a couple of advices that i'll give first above all make sure you shadow a pharmacist mm. right go into pharmacy um go into a find a mentor a pharmacist and shadow them mm. right because what I find is that a lot of people get into pharmacy school, but they've never stepped into a pharmacy before. Mm. That was me. Mm. I never worked at a pharmacy. Mm. I went to pharmacy school. First time I stepped into pharmacy, into a pharmacy was during my rotation. Mm-hmm. You know, so first try to shadow somebody to see if it's what you want. Mm. Even if retail pharmacy is not where you want to be, just realize that far, there's a lot of different... In- areas that you can get into pharmacy there's a most people do not know and i think, think about that's the thing a lot of people think pharmacy is just retail the the, the guy you see behind the counter it's, it's not in the pharmacy it's absolutely right. not right so there's a lot of different avenues that you can get into it's just that it takes a lot of pre-planning mm-hmm. right so it's not the majority since the majority of pharmacists are in retail in the retail setting mm-hmm. people tend to end up gravitating towards the retail setting mm-hmm. but when you're in pharmacy school you need to be proactive into looking into some of these other um pharmacy industries that you can get into so right now i'm in managed care mm. um managed care is a great place to be because you get your regular nine to five mm. it's not as hectic as retail pharmacy but it's not it, it's not an easy transition mm. to make especially if you if you weren't um involved with it during pharmacy school mm. you kind of have to get an experience before you can get back into managed care mm. Right, so that that's something that you have to be proactive about mm-hmm. when you're in pharmacy school. Do your due diligence to see what I got to do to get into um, managed care. Okay, there's also industry that you can get into, but again, in industry, it's harder to go from retail pharmacy into industry than it is to go straight into industry. Mm-hmm. Right, so you got to make sure that you're being proactive while you're in pharmacy school, mm-hmm. so that you go straight into industry. So during your time in pharmacy school. You will get um, you will get to know about all these different industries. Exactly, and if you don't get to know about it, you better make sure that you're putting in the effort. Nobody's going to tell you about it. So it's not like a class where they'd be like, "Oh, so there is retail, this, there is that, no, there is this, there is that." Nope. 
they're all they're gonna do is this pharmacy school is all about the, the courses come at you fast, mm. right? But you got to do your due diligence to figure out this is where I want to go. How do I get there? Okay. Who are the people that I need to reach out okay. to in order to get there? Um, because a lot of eighty uh, percent of people that go into pharmacy school tell themselves that they're not going to end up in retail, but. 99.9% of those people end, end up, up in retail. Yeah. Right. So how does it happen? But maybe they don't they don't know or they don't have the contacts to figure out who is in that industry. Yep. I mean, that's why I'm saying when you're in pharmacy school, you got to make sure that you're networking your butt off. Yeah. Cuz that's the only way you'll get in. Some of these places you don't even know exist, mm. right? So you got to network like crazy. Mm. Make networking one of your curriculums mm. or your your classes every day just network so you, that's the only way you'll get in because the default position is retail mm. and a lot of people do not want to end up in, in the retail default position. yeah sounds good man all right so the next thing we're going to move on to is your real estate endeavor mm -hmm. right um of course if you follow kujo you know that he's um he has a real estate business um, which is, and please correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, is it Assem Rentals? Yeah. Okay. Rentals, yeah. Um, tell us how you got into, into, into real estate. Um, <laughs> that's quite a journey. Okay. So, um, I'll start from, from, um, with the genesis of it. So, uh, about three years after I got, I finished pharmacy school, um, like every day I'd be looking at my student loans and mm. like, this can't be life, you mm. know? So. Uh, I was trying to figure out different financial um, gurus, um, I wouldn't say gurus, but financial avenues to see how best to take care of my student loans, mm -hmm. right? And I, that ended up having me stumble on um, Dave Ramsey. Mm -hmm. um, I love Ramsey. Mm -hmm. I tell people Ramsey's probably one of the best things that ever happened to me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I used to binge on Ramsey every single day, and um, I was following the Ramsey plan as far as clearing off my student loans. Mm -hmm. Um, so we did, I did that for a while and then I, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I like the Ramsey plan. It's giving me structure, mm -hmm. but I'm not enamored with pharmacy, right? So I don't see myself working 30 years in a pharmacy before retirement, mm. right? Mm. So how do I short, short, how do I create a shortcut, mm -hmm. right? So that got me into looking into different avenues of get of possibly retiring a little earlier. Than, um, and I didn't have a word to capture it until I started um, getting into um, real estate where the word financial independence hit me, right? So it's like, okay, I don't want to spend 30 years working for the man, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. How do I short end that? How do I gain financial independence? Mm -hmm. So a good friend of mine at work, um, shout out to Angelina, um, I used to try to ram Dan, Dan, Ramsey down her throat, mm. like, get on the Ramsey plane. And she's like, no, I, I want something different. You know, so she was So she me, knew about Ramsey. She knew about Ramsey. Mm -hmm. Doesn't like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I, you know? <laughs> I can understand why. Uh -huh. Doesn't like the guy because she's like, you know, Ramsey's good, but I don't want to stay in my job for 30 years to get a 401k and yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. I want to yeah. gain financial independence. Yeah. So she put me on Rich Dad Poor Dad. Mm. You know, it took me a mm -hmm. while to read that book. Mm -hmm. Once I read mm -hmm. the book, it opened my mind to something mm -hmm. else. Yep, I right. read that book. Right. Mm -hmm. It opened my mind to something else. So it's like, okay, how do I go from working 30 years mm -hmm. for demand to working for myself? Mm. And um, 
and, and it has to be something that I like doing as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I was like, okay, well, let me try this um, real estate then. Did but you, I didn't Did know. you try anything else, like, before real estate, or you just dove into real I, estate? I was doing, I, I was trying options. I was trading options for a while. Mm. I sucked at it. Mm. <laughs> I lost a lot of money trading options mm-hmm. because that's not something that I was good at. Mm. I'm more of the person that likes to plan things. I don't like when things... Um, things vary a lot, mm. right? I like my life to be very planned mm. and trading options. Uh, if yeah. you've done it before, you know things are never can you can't plan it That's out. Right. Yep. Things change so fast. Yep. So it's not I, up to yeah, you. Yeah. It's not up to you, right? Yeah. So I, I I didn't like trading options at all. So then I picked up the podcast, Bigger Pockets. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that too. That's what changed everything, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. Bigger mm-hmm. Pockets and their Burr strategy mm-hmm. is B R R R R gave me a blueprint on of how to be successful in real estate mm. right because for me i like things to be laid out plain like this and that this is how you do this and that and that's how you're gonna get this result and with the burr method it's like okay you do this then you do that and you do this and you do that and the end result is gonna be that mm. you know so i loved it mm. jumped into bur- the bigger pockets i Really, really, a lot of people think, oh, he just got up and got into real estate. No, I did my research for a full year before buying my first house, Mm. right? Because I am risk averse. Mm. I don't like being risky with my money. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to jump into something, I wanted to make sure that I truly understood it. Understood what you're getting yourself into. What I'm getting into before I put my money on the line. Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? So did a year of research started in 2018 may of 2018 it wasn't until um i think september of 2019 was when i bought my first property Mm -hmm. and it's just been just Mm. a a cinderella story from then on you know i remember uh i don't know if it's quite 2018 but i remember you sending me a little booklet about uh it had to do with real estate By the time, I was definitely working on my personal finances yeah. and things like that. And I think for anybody who is not, and, and uh, you tell me what you think about this, but for anyone who is not at a certain financial standpoint, mm-hmm. I don't think it's wise to be investing, um, you know, trying to, what I've seen is people try to invest and bank on, oh, the returns in order to take care of their own personal finances. It's not. I haven't drawn a... Uh, uh, I haven't pulled any money out of my real estate for two years. Mm. So for your personal for life, for personal yep. life, yeah, yeah, right. Yep. So in order to sustain the business, mm-hmm. everything is being dumped right back into it, mm-hmm. right. So I, I need to be in a position where I can't count on that income for ten years. Okay, mm. you know what I mean? Because I'm looking at the long term. Okay, so when you be- bought your first property. Was it a property that was like fully ready to go? Like you can get tenants in the following week or, you know, and at that point you have no, did you have any capital or how, how was, how did all that come about? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I remember I said that I'm risk averse, right? Mm-hmm. I don't like being risky with my money. So, um, and we can dive into the birth strategy, why I like that birth strategy at a later point in time. Um, but when I was purchasing my first property, I did not want to buy something that I was going to become a helicopter landlord Well, where I would have to be going to the property every day to fix something. Mm-hmm. So what I said was, okay, if I can buy something turnkey, 
when I say turnkey, that means that everything is complete mm. and I don't have to worry about it. Mm. Um, that would be the best way for me because mm. then I can use that to learn and then jump into something further if I need to. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I started doing my research and what I realized is it, there's a lot of developments going on in Atlanta, mm. right? And through listening to the big po- bigger pockets, one of the um, points that they stress on is to figure out where the path of growth is mm. and then get to get jump into where the growth is coming to, but it's not there yet because at that point, your price point is low Still enough low. where you yep. can get in. Yep. Right. So I realized, I figured out or I was told that there's a belt line that's being developed in in Atlanta, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, when you say belt line, you, there used to be um, train tracks mm-hmm. that circled around Atlanta, mm-hmm. um, but those tracks have been in disrepair for a long mm-hmm. time. So f- cool story was that from what I've heard, there was that there was a Georgia Tech um, um, graduate student that proposed that they built... Like they use the that belt line concept mm-hmm. where you'd have parks yeah. and see people uh, jogging out there, yeah, cycling, skating, and stuff like that. Yeah. Shops around yeah. that that yeah. tra- that track, track right? Yeah. So they started off at a certain area and then they're working their way around, mm-hmm. right? So the areas where they started off initially, you can't get in, mm-hmm. right? These are your, like I think you're like East Atlanta mm-hmm. areas. Mm-hmm. Those places around, you can't uh, ponds. Yeah, yeah, you can't get in. Yeah. Those houses are super expensive, expensive right? Yeah. So my thing was, okay, what if I build it at where they're going to end up at, which mm. is the south side, mm. um, 30315? Mm. What if I buy a house there and wait for to, the development to, to get, get to me? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that's how I ended up purchasing a turnkey property. Yeah. I bought it. I, I bought it as a conventional loan. I, mm. I had to put money down. And even that, shout out to my friend Angelina again. She hooked me up mm. <laughs> to purchase that property. Man, yeah, it's, it's quite incredible because... I'll say, even just two nights ago, I was out there in East Atlanta, yep. and it's crazy how, like what these houses look like now. You know, back then it didn't use it, it looked nothing like what it is now. It's everything is changing. I remember I told you I grew up in Georgia, mm-hmm. right, and then we left. So like when when I was growing up here, when you mentioned places like um, College Park, East Point, Bankhead, mm-hmm. you were like those those were no go yeah. areas. Yeah. Yeah, but now like you can't buy a house in Decatur. Mm, in you certain can't. places, yeah, in Decatur. Decatur is yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you got to find where the path of growth is and then get in mm-hmm. while it's hot, mm. while it's not hot. I mean. So another thing I want to touch upon is so now you do have multiple properties, yeah. right? And what about the tenants? How do you go about like finding your tenants mm-hmm. and what are some of the the ups and downs like? some of the headaches you get from your tenants or whatnot. Yep. So, uh, that, that's one of the things that um, causes fear with a lot of people as far as real estate goes is the tenant, the managing tenants. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be scary, right? Because people have figured out how to do it successfully. You just got to follow the template. Mm. So, there's a guy on Bigger Pockets that he gave me inspiration for how I manage my tenant landlord relationship. Mm-hmm. His name is um, Joe Asamoa. He's actually mm-hmm. Ghanaian. Okay. He grew up in, in England and moved to um, and moved to the states. Jesus. He's in yeah. DC. DC is okay. a high market area, right? But he's still doing real estate out real there, estate out there mm-hmm. right? So what he said was, 
a lot of people like um, there's a, sh a housing shortage in America. Matter of fact, there's a housing shortage everywhere, and that's one of my my goals that I want to do is to put a dent in that. But in Ghana mm. and here as well, right? So what he figured out was, so the the government is um, they're trying to address that housing shortage and especially low-income housing, mm -hmm. right? So they offer programs that you can use. Um, if you're able to tap into, you can help reduce that um, shortage. That shortage, yeah. right? So he got into um, urban housing or mm -hmm. what it used to be called Section 8, but Section 8 has been got, it's had a bad, it, it has a bad connotation uh, yeah, to yeah. it. So we try to stay away from that because these, yeah. these are great people, yeah. to be honest great people right so what he figured out was that if you can serve these people a lot of people a lot of landlords that have homes on section 8 or housing authority they don't take care of the house mm. right mm. so you got tenants that are not pleased with where they're living mm. so what he was saying if you can really put your best into the home and then you find a good tenant to place in the home that tenant is going to take care of the home like it's theirs mm. Right. They're proud of it. They're going to be proud of mm. it. Right. Give them a home that they will be proud of and mm. they will take care of that home mm. for you. So mm. you don't have to be stressing yourself mm -hmm. about being a landlord. Mm. You get what I'm saying? That you, if you give them that pride of ownership, they're going to return that to mm. you. So what I try to do is incorporate that into what I do. Whenever I get a house, I make sure that I put my best into it. Make it into a home that I could, I, I will call myself, I will feel proud to stay in, yep. so that my tenants will feel that way as mm. well. So I, I'll say almost all my homes I, I put up for housing, housing authority, mm. right? Um, because it serves two purposes. I have that guaranteed income, mm -hmm. and I'm able to make a dent in the um, mm. um, low income housing mm -hmm. shortage. Mm -hmm. in, in, in you making a difference in someone else's exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, have you had any issues with any tenant at all since you've been doing this? Um, not with the first three that I've three first two homes that I purchased. Okay. To be honest, I haven't had any issues with my tenant. And you still have the same people living in there now. Same people living in there. Now, okay. the issue that I have is actually with the most recent purchase that I had. I used to have a rule that um, if I was going to buy a home, I wouldn't I I want it to be delivered empty. I don't want a tenant living in it. Uh. But the, the last deal that I bought, it was so good that I made an exception mm -hmm. and it's coming back back to bite me in the mm -hmm. butt a little bit. But it's nothing that we can't handle mm -hmm. and take care of it. Got you. Now, I did see also. Now, are you referring to the most recent purchase, which was the duplex? Yeah, the duplex. Okay. Do you have people living in both units? No. I purchased it with one side empty and there's a tenant on the other on side. side. Okay. Okay. So, um, what is an advice you would give to somebody looking to get into this industry um so i'll what i would say is first get your finances in order like you were mentioning earlier right uh, get on a dave ramsey plan mm. just to get your finances in your, order, your personal finances yeah yep. get your personal because a lot of people will say oh how can i do it with no money down mm. with no money you can do it with no money but <laughs> it's only a few that are able to do it like that, mm. right? You're going to need money, either your money or somebody else's money, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't have to be your money, but you're going to need money. And in order to get that connection, you're going to need to buy, um, get, try, mm. gain trust from the people that would be willing to invest in your, um, it would be willing to invest mm -hmm. in your business, 
right? So first and foremost, I would say um, get your finances together. Mm -hmm. Follow the Ramsey plan, the seven-step plan, mm -hmm. um, and um, build an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. Do all that you got to do to make sure that you're in a secure good, place. Because yeah. once you're secure, it's easier to do mm -hmm. other things. That's right. Right. Because then you have something to if if all goes doesn't go well yep. you have something to fall back you got on something and to yeah fall back on you got something to fall back on mm -hmm. you do not want to leave your skin dry that's out right because it's a cold world yeah it's yep. a cold world okay um what about fixing and flipping mm -hmm. I know you have another property like that yeah. um let's say myself right mm -hmm. if I wanted to if I had some money mm -hmm. and I wanted to get into real estate. Mm -hmm. Would you advise me to rather go the buying a house and putting a tenant in, kind of like what you're doing, or rather fix and flip? Um, <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, yeah, so I do. I, I, for the longest, I said that I was not gonna flip. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now the reason why I say it gets complicated, but um, every business in America, we know that the tax system is very. It's very prominent, right? Mm. So there's tax implications with whatever you do, mm -hmm. right? Um, listen to the bigger pockets. What the an overarching theme was long-term wealth, right? And if you want to do, if you want to have generational wealth, it's not in fixing and flipping, because mm. fixing and flipping will get you instant capital. However, that capital, if you don't reinvest it, you're gets gonna taxed. it's gonna get taxed, yeah. and you're gonna end up just losing. like selling your house and not. I think when you sell your house and you don't buy mm -hmm. another property, depending on how much equity you have back in, you're supposed to pay some some well, taxes it's, on it's, that. It, again, with the tax system, everything it goes, it depends, mm -hmm. right? So if you bought a personal, if you sold a personal home. home uh -huh. It's tax free. You don't have so to. So if 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 let's say I sell my house now mm -hmm. and I get forty thousand back, it's all yours. Really, it's all yours. Mm. Yep. It's they don't tax you on. Um, and again, I'm not an accountant. I'm mm -hmm. not expecting it. Mm -hmm. But from what I know, when you sell a primary the, home, you don't, you don't get, get taxed. taxed. Uh, now, if you sell an investment property, you do have to. Mm -hmm. You do get taxed on it. Mm -hmm. But there's a way to do like a ten thirty one exchange or. There's a lot of different avenues that you can use mm -hmm. in the tax code legally mm -hmm. to make sure that you're reducing your tax your tax income as much as possible, mm -hmm. right? So I have nothing against fixing and flip. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually doing right now. Right mm -hmm. now, I do with a partner. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want long term wealth, you got to get into the long um, long term um, rental properties mm -hmm. because you gain on three fronts. Okay. You gain with by collecting rent. You gain through appreciation, right? Mm -hmm. Because property, property, property appreciation. appreciation. Every mm -hmm. day, every year, your house is going to go up some. I mean, again, it depends on where you invest in mm -hmm. that. Um, but it, it depends on where you invest in that. Where you would, um, it, that's where you realize how much uh, appreciation you're getting. Mm -hmm. um, but due to inflation, always. It's almost like a rule. Your your house is gonna go, go up, up. yeah, right. So you're getting the rental income, you're getting the appreciation, and the the third part that a lot of people do not know about is the tax breaks that you get mm. by being an investment property. Mm. Like I mentioned it, um, earlier, there's something called depreciation. Mm -hmm. um, then there's um, you can do a, also a ten thirty one exchange whenever you're selling, mm -hmm. so that you can reduce your tax liability. 
we can get into that um, in um, um, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get complicated, but not too complicated. But yeah, those are those are reasons why I think long term rentals are better mm-hmm. than fixing and flipping. You mm-hmm. can use a fix fix and flip to get capital, but just make sure you invest some of that capital in long term um, investments. Mm-hmm. Got you. So I mean, and even with your business. Mm-hmm. Um, of you know real estate investing, they're still gonna look at your personal credit and whatnot. No, when you're starting that business, it depends. Uh, Everything uh, is a depends, right? Okay. So, <laughs> a lot of so in real estate, your biggest tool is money, mm. right? Your biggest tool is money. Like, and I mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, you can either use your money. Mm-hmm. Or you can use somebody else's money, mm-hmm. right? So, it which the ones that you choose to use, um, let me put it this way: the how expensive it is depends on which one you're using. If it, obviously, if you're using your money, it's cheaper. If you're using somebody else's money, it's a little bit more expensive, mm-hmm. right? So, um, there's these people call hard money loans. You know what? Let's run through an example of what a property that I purchased that um, can show can further illustrate what I'm saying as far as somebody else's money. Mm-hmm. So the last duplex that I, I purchased, um, they had it on the market for $269,000, mm-hmm. right? So the question is, okay, how do you come up with $269,000 to buy this duplex that mm-hmm. you want, right? Obviously, I don't have $269,000 laying around. So I asked myself, how do I go about purchasing this? Um, and there's, there's lenders that are called hard money lenders, right? They'll loan money to anybody. Mm. It doesn't matter what your credit they, is. They loan they'll, sharks. They'll give you the money. Yeah. I don't even call them loan <laughs> sharks, right? Because yeah. remember, what I said was money is a tool, mm. right? They'll give you the money. You're just going to pay a boatload of um, fees on it, mm. right? But again, it's like me leasing a car or buying a car at a car dealership, I can use the car to make more money, money. Yeah. Right. And pay in but I'll be paying interest on the money that I use to purchase That's the right. car. That's right. Right. So it, even though I'm paying fees, it makes sense because the car is gonna make me more money. That's right. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So what I do what you what the hard money lenders do is they'll give you the two hundred and sixty nine thousand dollars, but they'll charge you thirteen percent on it. Mm. They'll charge you a three percent origination fee or three to four percent origination fee. That means you're paying three percent on the loan just so that I can give you the loan. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Then you have to pay your attorney fees and all these other fees, that taxes and all that, right? So at the end of the day, when I was purchasing the 260 that duplex, when I talked to the, um, I talked to my lenders, mm-hmm. I had to bring sixty seven thousand dollars to the table, mm. right? So now we went from sixty nine thousand dollars to two hundred to sixty seven thousand dollars. Right? We went from two sixty nine to sixty seven to sixty seven. Mm. That's still a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like okay, how do I come up with sixty seven thousand dollars? Right. So from there, what I did was I reached out to my networks. Right. And I was I reached out to a friend and I'm like, hey, I got this property out here that I think it's a great deal. That I would like to purchase it. Is there any way that you can give me some money so that I can get that property? Right. I'll give you an, uh, uh, I'll pay you interest in the, well, however much you, you lend me. 
and then at the end of six months, and I'll and, pay and, and let's make this back. clear: this is a business friend. This is a business friend. Yes. Or it could be anybody. Okay, but if you if it's anybody, you're doing this on a personal level. Yeah. What if things don't work out? Then you owe this person. Yeah, you do. On a personal I level. do owe them, right? <laughs> but I gotta make sure. That's why I gotta make sure so that when I'm buying the property. I'm buying it right. And we can get into the criteria that I used to purchase a money, purchase a property. Mm-hmm. But I make sure that when I'm buying a property, I am leaving as little money as possible in there. Mm. So he's going to get paid. Mm. No matter what happens, he's going to get paid. Mm. Okay. Right. Because I bought the house at a value. Mm-hmm. I remember I said I bought it for 269 mm-hmm. But that house is worth at least 350 Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm so gonna, if you if you end up uh, getting out of it, you can still pay them I'll back. Pay, he'll get his money back. Yeah, and plus the interest that he's getting on it. Yeah, hard money is gonna get paid. Yeah. He's gonna get his yeah. his interest back, right? But I factor all of that expense in mm-hmm. before I buy the property. And how soon can you like? Can you get a, out of that hard money deal? If I you could, if you get that money, can you get out? I could get out right now. Oh, okay. Right, so what I'm doing with the property, and this might be a um, a good time to tell you about the strategy that I use to do my um to purchase. It's called Burr, like I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. right? It's B R R R, and I learned it from Bigger Pockets. Mm-hmm. But the first step is to buy. The first step is to buy, and then the second step is to um, the second step is to um, rent uh, to rehab it. And then the sec- the third step is to refinance it. Mm-hmm. And then the last step, um, sorry, the third step is to rent it out. And mm-hmm. the last step is to refinance. Okay, right. so let's go over that one more time. The first step is buy. buy. Uh-huh. Second step is rehab. Uh-huh. Third step is to rent it out. Mm-hmm. And the last step is to refinance. refinance. But basically what you're doing is you're buying property at a very low value. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you... Um, you rehab it to force value into it, mm-hmm. and then you refinance to get your money that you put into it back, gotcha. right? Um, and that's how you're able to do it to little, with little to no money down. Mm. Got you. Well, um, I know we can talk about this pretty much for hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours. Mm-hmm. I just have one last question for you before yes, uh, we uh, end this show. Yep. The question is, if you could do anything different in mm-hmm. terms of your career choice, right? Mm-hmm. Or just even your experience in life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could do anything different based on what you know now, let's say you could go back to 12, being 12 years or 15 years old. What is something that you would, you would do different or you tell your, your younger self? I love when people ask me that question. And the answer is nothing. Mm. I would do nothing different because... A lot of times when people ask that question, they're look they're asking it from the perspective of now. Mm. Right? But back in the day when you made the decisions, the decisions that got you to where you are now, you made them based on the choices and uh, um and what was in front of you. Mm. You made your choice based on the on on um the things that were av- available to you now at in the at the point where you made That's the true. choice. You get what I'm saying? Yep. So my thing is, I am not going to Monday morning quarterback, right? I made the choices that I made, and that's what got me to where I am sure. now. Mm-hmm. But I, all I can do is going forward is to make choices based on different assumptions, different criteria, so that I can get to a better place mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? I can't go back and change and the change path, yep. but I can change the future. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I make my choices, better choices today mm-hmm. so that it can get me to where I want to mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't change mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what makes me who I am. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. Same thing here. I mean, I've had that question asked me multiple times. And I even think about it in terms of like people we meet, you know, where we went to school, mm-hmm. things like that. Like, you know, of course, if you were back then being in high school, if you had gotten a full ride to, let's say, Georgia Tech or one of the top schools, you probably would have taken that, right? But you just don't know how that path is going to go. Exactly. I probably, if if I went to engineering school and I was, I didn't have any student loans, mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't have known how to manage my finances. Right. I would have been just coasting along. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Because everything is good. That's right. You know, it's because I had such a high student loan burden that I I decided that I need to figure out how to get my finances straight. Yeah, that's and that's right. what led me to financial freedom. That's right. But if I was comfortable, I probably would have never gotten there. Got you. All right, brother. Man, thank you so much for coming on this show. So much information here. Wrote down a lot of good things here. And, um, you know, how can people find you on social media, both your personal or if they want to follow your business or even I know you did talk about the um, Bigger Pockets podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's any other resources out there, pretty much put it out there and uh, let, let, let people know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm not I'm not very efficient <laughs> with um, social media, but definitely I'm on Instagram at uh, my business is um, it, um, ASM Rentals, like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So at ASM Rentals, mm-hmm. A-S-E-M, Rentals, R-E-N-T-A-L. Mm-hmm. All one word. All one word. Mm-hmm. Um, and also uh, my personal um um, Instagram is um, Kujo mm-hmm. underscore so cool underscore Joe mm-hmm. um, eighty nine. Um, you can follow me along there as well. But um, ASM Rentals is where I, I give what all the updates yeah. on on what's yeah. going as yeah. far as real estate goes. Um, as far as um, um, resources, there's plenty, right? Um, a lot of them are copyrighted. You know what I mean? So I can't put them out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you hit me up, or if you hit, if you, if somebody wants to get access to, it, if they reach out to you, I'll be more than willing to send them out yeah. to you so that you can get an idea. All right, man. Thank you so much once again. You know, like I said, you're very, very transparent. That's the one thing I really like about you. You know, with today's world and social media, everybody is really quick to put up all the highs yep. and and not the lows, right? And and people think that. Dang, that's a good industry. Being mm-hmm. a pharmacist is great. Mm-hmm. Or being a real estate agent or being a real estate investor or even trading is so great. But mm-hmm. they don't talk about the time that they lost this type of money or the, the pressure they got from this tenant or whatever it is. Yep. Right. But you're very transparent. You go, you know, you put down the, the hardship you're going through, be it trying to get a property, mm-hmm. refinancing, whatever it is. You put that all out mm-hmm. there. And thank you much. Thank you so much for doing that man and thank you for being here today you're welcome you're welcome my my goal is to uh, get as many people to be interested in um financial freedom as they possibly can so um anytime man all right man thank you and guys thank you for listening and i will see y'all in the next episode